Gracious God, Lord, you are so good. And we give you thanks that you've welcomed us into this place, Lord, into your presence. I pray that you fill us with your word. Uh, God, that we're reminded of what great joy and awe and wonder, uh, what a gift it is that we get to sing praise, to lift our voice together, to see your work through your presence in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you ever heard the phrase, uh, man makes his plans and then God laughs? I've been thinking about these words a lot recently, especially as I've been working on my sermon these last few days. And just to clarify, uh, that phrase is not something that you'll find in the Bible. Uh, There is a proverb that is somewhat related, though. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, uh, it says this, The human mind plans the way, but the Lord directs the steps. And so the biblical version is a little less about God laughing and more about uh, him guiding us and leading us with his uh, direction and steps for our lives towards his will. Whether he's laughing at us or not while doing it is a completely different sermon altogether. Nonetheless, I thought a lot about this verse over the last few days, uh, not only while writing my sermon, but particularly in relationship to coming with a title for my sermon. See, when I first read this psalm a few days ago and a few weeks ago, uh, I thought, come as you are, really seemed to tie it all together. And then I finally sat down, and I started writing and reading the word over and over again and putting all my thoughts together, and I realized that come as you are has nothing to do with this psalm at all. And so I felt like I could practically hear God laughing while at the same time seeing him guiding me through his word and kind of working uh, through his presence. And so all that to say, uh, if your expectations for the sermon this week are based on the title of the sermon, you're in for a real surprise. And I share this with you really to highlight the reality that when we spend time in God's word, It does something for us, that God's word actually works within us when we sit with it, when we read it, when we meditate it, when we sing about it. And this morning, I'm just really thankful for that. Now, I'll also say that in preparation for my sermon this week, something useful that I did uh, was go and ask the people something, get some responses from people. And the way that I did this was I went on my Instagram and I asked people to finish this sentence. My favorite place in the world is... Uh, By the way, if you are on Instagram, you should follow our church account, My St. Andrew, okay? Shameless plug here. But uh, nonetheless, as I asked people this question, I wanted to share some of the responses that I received with you this morning. Uh, So my favorite place in the world is Rocky Mountain National Park, Yosemite National Park, Traverse City, Michigan, uh, the Brooklyn Promenade, uh, the country of Greece, uh, my favorite place uh, that someone answered, of course, you know, a soccer field. And three people said their favorite place in the world is in bed. I mean, can't be a comfy bed. I get it. I get it. But uh, along with all those answers, which represent physical spaces or places, uh, there was a group of people, and actually a handful, more than, the ones, uh, more than half of the ones who answered, without a physical place, but rather about the people who were with them. Uh, people finished the sentence, my favorite place in the world is with family, or with friends, or with my loved ones, wherever we are. And so as I read through these sets of answers, I realized something unique, that that some people focused on the places and others focused on the people that they were with, regardless of the place. And what I thought was really interesting about this is that that's what Psalm 84 does for us this morning. That as the psalmist writes, he invites us to think not only on the place in which uh, we are perhaps considering as our favorite, but also the person who is in that place. 
And ultimately what this psalm does for us, it highlights this, this important truth, this simple truth that I'm sure you've heard before, and yet it brings it forward to our eyes once again this morning. And the truth that's revealed to us this morning is this, that God works through his presence in our lives. And so the first way we see this then is as the psalmist invites us to consider the space, the place where God meets us. Uh, see, listen again how he describes this place. He writes, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. What joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. It seems to me that if the psalmist had to finish that sentence, my favorite place in the world is, he would say, the house of God. That uh, their desire to be in the place where they worship God and where God is so present is abundantly clear. And one of the things that I love about this psalm and the way that the psalmist speaks and writes is that there's so much emotion that you can feel his words coming to life, right? That being able to worship in God's house is something that we should, we should sit in awe and wonder about, that we should be filled with such great joy as we sing our praise, that, that for this psalmist, being in the presence of God, in the house of God, is something that you can feel in your body and your soul with your whole being. Everything about this is, is about dwelling and wanting to be in the place where God is. So how often do you feel that way when you come to church? After uh, perhaps what is a long week or maybe just after a long Saturday night, I think it's fair to say that sometimes the last thing we want to do is wake up and get here on Sunday morning. I mean, trust me, I've been spending the last few Saturday nights up pretty late watching the Yankees play playoff baseball. And I got to be honest with you, number one, it ain't been worth it. <laughs> and number two, when I hear my alarm go off in the morning, I am exhausted. And honestly, part of the reason I get out of bed is because I'm afraid what will happen if Pastor Mark calls me because I didn't wake up. <laughs> and, and I say this like half jokingly, but also I, I've been there. I, I get it. There are just some times, I mean, I look back on plenty of times throughout my life that I just woke up and I didn't want to get out of bed. But I just didn't want to get dressed and get ready. I just didn't want to make my way to church. And as I thought about it, I started to reflect maybe on like why that is. And I kind of came down to it and I realized that uh, when it was kind of all said and done, I was kind of just indifferent about my relationship with God, indifferent about his presence and the work that he's doing. That it wasn't because I had a particular problem with God. It wasn't because something was going wrong in my life or that there was something going on. It was simply just that I was like, oh, okay. Right? It was kind of like, I know that God loves me and I know that Jesus died for me. And I know that God is watching over me, that he's caring for me. And I know that God is watching over my loved ones wherever they are and he's caring for them too. I even know that, that God is doing things in my life right now for my future that I don't fully understand and I don't even see that far, but God does. And he does all of that because he cares about me. I know all those things are true. And I also know that even if I don't come here, if I don't go to church, they're still going to be true. So 
it's okay, I'm indifferent. And if you felt that way before, like I said, I get it, I've been there. And yet it's here that we begin to see God's work through his presence in our lives, in this case, in his word. See, because what the psalmist does for us this morning, he invites us to think about God's word coming into the place of God, into the presence of God in a different way. So when we come to worship God, it's not about what we know to be true. It's about what we get to experience in the presence of God. When we gather in this place, we get to experience God in a completely different way. We get to encounter God as his word comes to life. As we read it, as we sing about it, as we uh, hear it spoken to us, as we pray through it, as we meditate on it, the Word comes alive within us and for us. And also then we begin to see that it's not only, of course, about the place, but who dwells within the place. See, the psalmist then invites us to experience who is here, how God is so clearly present, and God works through the psalmist. God works through the people that he puts in our lives to remind us of what it's like to be in the presence of God. The psalmist says these words, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. O Lord God of heaven's armies, hear my prayer. Listen, O God of Jacob. O God, look with favor upon the king, our shield. Show favor to the one you have anointed. So the psalmist begins by inviting us to simply sit in awe in the presence of God. And then he takes us to kind of that next phase. He, he, he takes us to this place where inviting us into the physical journey of what it looks like to get to God's house. And contextually speaking for the psalmist, this was a little bit different than it is for you and I today. See, the way that the psalmist writes and the details that he gives us allow us to kind of see that he is talking about the temple in Jerusalem. And that temple was kind of a temple that was set apart for for the people of Israel. And so clearly this person does not live in Jerusalem, but they have to take a trip. They have to make a journey, a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And so you hear that there is joy in the midst of this pilgrimage. So it's not exactly like the same thing like we get in our cars in the morning and drive to church. The psalmist is in fact pointing us to something deeper though. See, because what he also points out is that along the way, on the journey, Psalmist writes that we will enter into the valley of Baca, or uh, in our translation, as it says, the valley of weeping. And so what the psalmist does here is he invites us into the experience of worshiping God, to, to getting to this place, the physical place where God is, is sometimes a journey. And that journey is filled with sorrow, and with hardship, and with tears, even with sadness. So have you ever felt that way before? Have you ever felt like life is just so hard? Uh, like it, it's so hard to just, to just get out of bed, and you don't feel like you have hope. You begin to feel hopeless. Have you ever felt like you're not sure why things are so bad, just that they are? that you feel like you're lost, that maybe even you feel like you're in the depths of despair. I don't know if you felt that way before, but I have. 
Uh, I have felt that way, and uh, I've come to terms with this in a unique kind of way, especially over the last few years, as in my own life, I've come to the reality of dealing with depression. And I've had days upon days where it just feels like I'm slogging through this valley of weeping, this valley of great sorrow. And yet it's here again that we see the word of God coming to life. That we see God so present for us. See, because here in the word, I want you to know that whether you've ever felt that way before, or if you're feeling way, that way right now, God sees you. That God is with you in the valley of weeping. He is right there carrying you along. That God is working in your life through his presence. And when you make it here, when you make it to the house of God, when you make it to the presence where God promises to dwell on whatever road or path or journey that you are taking, God's promise is that he is here ready for you. That he has prepared a place for you at his table. That he was with you along the journey whether you knew it or not. And he is waiting for you here to meet you once again. See, church, every week as you walk into these doors, God meets you here. In fact, here at St. Andrew, God meets you in a way that the psalmist could only dream of. See, because when the psalmist is writing, he only knows of, of a Messiah that is coming one day. He believes in that Messiah and celebrates that, but that Messiah still hasn't come yet. You and I, we get to celebrate the presence of that Messiah. We celebrate the presence of Jesus. We know that that Jesus is here in just a few moments. And every single week, you and I come forward and we receive the presence of Jesus in his body and his blood. And when we receive that, it does something in us. It works to change us, to transform us. We begin to see and taste the presence of God in our lives as he is so clearly at work. And so even though you may not always feel like being here, whether you feel it or not, when you are here, God is working in your life. And whether you realize it or not by being here, you are going to have an encounter with God. And that encounter with God is going to be something that is out of this world. Because right here and right now, you are in the presence of the living God. You and I are standing and sitting and singing and worshiping in the presence of an almighty God, the creator of the universe, the savior of the world. He's welcomed us into his presence. And that is a reason that we sing with such great joy. That's a reason that we glorify God with all that we can and all that we have. Because he welcomes us every single week and he meets us here. And the beauty of this promise is the reality of God working in our lives through his presence. And the best part about it is it never ends. See, what the psalmist does is is he invites us to not only see the present reality of this, but to think about what is still yet to come, about the future of this promise. Uh, I was uh, brought to the words of Revelation chapter 21 that speak of exactly what this psalmist paints for us, this this picture of being in the house of the Lord forever. 
In Revelation 21, John writes about uh, what that vision is going to be like, about what it's going to be like when we're all gathered together around the throne. He says this, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death and no more sorrow and no more pain. All these things will be gone forever. There's just something special about being in the presence of God that we simply can't escape. And it's so incredible and so powerful and so awesome that all of creation knows it. As I close this morning, I wanted to point you to one of the unique and really cool ways that we see this scripture passage come to life for us here at St. Andrew. Maybe you've even seen it before. See, in the third verse of Psalm 84, it says this, Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar. O Lord of heaven's armies, my King and my God. Take a look at, at these photos here. <laughs> Some of you maybe know what this is. See, what you're looking at here is the Word of God coming to life at St. Andrew. For the last five years, at least now, in the springtime, this uh, mother and father geese, they come and they make their nest right alongside our church home, right alongside the house of God. And they do it outside Pastor Mark and Greg's office, which, you know, I'd ask them about if I could. But it's right here that we get to see them prepare a nest for their family. And then weeks later, they walk off together as they depart to return the following year. Even the sparrow finds a home and builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar. Church, the house of God is a place where all living things come to encounter the living God. It's the place where God's people have gathered for generation upon generation, where they sing praises to God with great joy, whether it's with a loud voice or in the tone of a whisper. The house of God is a place where the broken come to be restored. The house of God is a place where there is hope for the hopeless. The house of God is where God is so clearly present and people come together to experience the presence of God as he works in our lives. Through his word, through his sacraments, and through his people, each and every one of you. It's the place where every single week, Jesus meets you here. And he works through his presence in your life. Thanks be to God. And hallelujah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.